I kind of had a choice at that point, not just being patient with the process, but being grateful with the process. And I'm like, mm, man, I went to my dad straight after the game. I'm like, yo, like this shit can't happen anymore, man. I always find the, always try to take the good out of any negative situation. You know, I have players coming in, Xavier, and they'd be like, um, you know, I played so bad. You know, sometimes I'd, I'd be like, hey, bro, hey, I don't know, we, we can't do nothing about that. I can tell you what we can do, we can get some work in right now. Like, if you're not doing plyometrics, you're losing out on a lot of potential for performance. Um, my dad had these tapes of the Laker games. Got to a point where I, I said, you know, I want to play basketball. And I just always wanted to make sure I had the edge over people. It became a part of me, you know, I, I didn't want anybody to get to be better than me. back to another episode of the Basketball and Barbells podcast. So today we have our second WNBA player on here who has pretty dope background. Can't wait for you guys to actually sit down to get all the insight and perspective she has. Today we have Renee Montgomery. She is a two-time WNBA champion. She's also a former sixth woman of the year and current guard for the Atlanta Dream. Renee won an NCAA championship in 2009, which is also the same season she went 39-0. and 0. We definitely got to talk about that. Holds multiple records with the Huskies. Been a Gatorade Player of the Year, McDonald's All-American. Basically, any award you can think of, she's already got it. So basically, we've got one of the GOATs on the podcast. Renee, thank you for hopping on with me. Well, dang, thank you for having me. I like that. <laughs> Do your homework, Xavier. I like that. I had to. I had to put some respect on. I was like, "Hold up, nah, oh, nah. I ain't finna give her no respect." You put it with a K. Put some respect <laughs> on my name, okay? Had to let people know. All right, cool, cool. So, the first question I always ask everybody is, I let people who are guests on my show kind of talk about where they've been, where they come from. So, can you talk, tell the audience a little bit about kind of like your childhood, growing up, and how you got into hooping? Yeah. So, I'm from. West Virginia, which I'm sure a lot of the people listening don't know anyone from there or anyone living there. Um, <laughs> but I'm from there. Um, it's ironic because I'm watching this NFL playoff game as we speak. I'm, I'm paying attention to you, though. No, but the, the game is on the screen and Randy Moss, a fellow West Virginian, is, um, you know, doing the pregame and stuff for it. So it's pretty cool to see things like that. But I'm from West Virginia. I mean, whatever you think about West Virginia is probably true in a sense that it's dirt roads. There's not a lot going <laughs> on. Um, literally I made my own fun making up games. We were outside all day, just that kind of lifestyle country. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. All of that. So I, I came from the background I came from, it's kind of crazy to make it to, to the WNBA because I, like me and one of my teammates, Alexis Hornbuckle, we were the first to ever do it. So while I was trying to pursue this goal, there was nobody in my state that had ever done it, played D1 at a high level. So I was pursuing something that like I've never seen done before. So that kind of, that aspect was kind of interesting to me because it was a driving force because I wanted to be the first. But mm -hmm. it was also in the back of your mind, if you have a bad game, you're like, I can't have a bad game and be from West Virginia. It's not like you're in New York where – you know, it's it's the mecca of basketball and there's coaches going to be there all the time. Like, you got to make an impression. And because who's going to get a college coach to come to West Virginia for no reason? You got to be pretty <laughs> good. Like, they're not just coming to West Virginia. Like, you got to be pretty good for them to come. So that was always in the back of my mind. Like, we got to get to the level where these college coaches are going to want to see us and that they're going to take us serious. So it was it was it was a driving force for me just being from West Virginia, because 
you would hear about the New York players and you would hear about high schools like Christ the King and players like Sue Bird, Tina Charles, and you would hear about that. And, you know, and I'm here from West Virginia. So you would, it would make me question, well, am I good enough? Like I'm not playing on those stages. So am I good enough? So I guess coming from West Virginia, I honestly think it's what made me because that fear of not being good enough, it has been like my driving force my whole life. It's why I work so hard. So yeah, West Virginia made me. No, nah, facts. And it's funny that you even that you even mentioned like you had to make your own fun. I drove through West Virginia and outside of the mountains, like I was like, yo, what do people do out here for fun? <laughs> like <laughs> I don't yes, know. You make your own fun. So that's that's there's that on that. But yeah, it's 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 different. Like it's it's different than because now that I've played around the world, you know, in, in multiple mm-hmm. countries, Europe for 10 years, now that I've played around the world and seen the world, to think about where I came from, it, it, it really is crazier. Because while you're in West Virginia and it's all you know, it's all you know. So you don't really, you don't really know what you're missing or you don't really know what else is out right. there. But now that I've seen the world, like to be from West Virginia and to succeed i'm like very proud of that and i'm very proud of being from west virginia yeah no facts and even like that motivation that you had because you you even said like you know you're basically putting on for the state you're like yo like nobody's coming out of west virginia like well we're gonna do it like i'm gonna do it and then you know like you said you're gonna put some respect on it like you're not, <laughs> like you did not... that on your own so i appreciate you yeah. i worked hard for that facts facts so like I'm really big into habits. Uh, like I read a lot. I read a lot of, especially about uh, James Clear, where he has a book called Atomic Habits. Um, I'm really big into habits, like shaping who you are as a person, and you know, basically, like it drives you know your career and and the things you do in life. So, kind of going into you know you playing and stuff like that like, at a younger age, like what were some things you noticed about yourself that made you think that okay, like you're gonna start being great at basketball. Like when did that start happening? And like, what were some things you were doing that kind of helped push that push that envelope for you? So I knew I knew that I would be able to play at a certain level. I didn't know if the level was going to be UConn or not, but I I knew that because I'm pretty stubborn, and so <laughs> once I put my mind to something, like I'm going to figure out a way. So my like you know I'm country, so there's a saying like by hook or by crook. So I was going to figure out a way <laughs> <laughs> to to get these coaches attention I was going to figure out a way I was going to work hard enough that I got their attention I was going to figure out a way so Mm -hmm. um, I would say just speaking on habits it was like the discipline that I started to develop young to where every day I was doing something with the basketball even if I didn't have a lot of time I would go outside and dribble Um, every day I was just making sure that I did something to like move forward and so that I would say in the realm of habits I created like a lot of good habits early. Right, absolutely. And when it, you know, obviously, like you said, you developed that discipline early. Like, did you see yourself kind of separating from the pack, like in kind of like in high school or maybe even middle school? Like, where you noticed that you were just different than everybody else, how they were coming at basketball? Yeah, I think high, I think junior high is where, you know, you start to see your name in the paper a little bit and you start to, you know, people start to, they don't know your name yet. They know what number you are. Hey, you're that number 20 that <laughs> plays for, for Hayes, aren't you? And, you know, like, so they don't really know who you are, but they kind of remember like when, when you played against their daughter or something. So mm-hmm. at that point where people started to recognize like me, that, that gave me more motivation. Cause I'm like, <laughs> all right, 
all right, so what I'm doing is working. So since it's working, let me do that times two of whatever I was doing. Yeah. Like since it's working. So that's kind of like my mentality. I mean, not even because as you know, I'm like doing post-life stuff right now while I'm playing, but like, that's my mm -hmm. mentality in life. Like, I feel like if you go about things systematically and you work at it, I mean, obviously, like, I'm not saying you could, everybody can be the president, but I feel like if I systematically work at something, I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. Right. And I like, I like that word systematically. That's, I think that's a word that I don't, I don't necessarily use, but it's just kind of like how I, the same, same way, like I see people who are in positions that maybe, you know, I admire or I want to get to, and, you know, you talk to them and you're like, well, I just made sure daily I was doing these things or I made sure like I had my routines, like they would throw out these words. And for me, it just boiled down to habits. Like, okay, like, what are you doing? And I always noticed like people like whether basketball players, businessmen, women, like they were disciplined and they made sure they were consistent in their effort. So like, that was always a big thing with me is like talking to people like, Hey, like what, what, what kind of things did you do? And even if it's very simple, like I try to apply them. And like you said, you figured out, okay, like this is working. Let me double, triple down on this to make sure, like, you know, my name stays in the paper. Exactly. And another thing is, like, when I say systematically, so, you know, a lot of people, they have ideas, they have things they want to do. Mm -hmm. I literally will write down whatever I want to do. I call it my momentum board, not necessarily a vision board. So when mm -hmm. something happens that is pushing me towards the end goal, I write it on my momentum board. And then mm -hmm. if I want it, I figure out like, okay, how can I go about getting it? So for mm -hmm. instance, I wanted to do broadcasting and everything like that. All right. I'm people aren't going to just say here, you're a WBA player. Here you go. Here's a job. Like it just didn't happen like that. So mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, let me take some improv classes. Let me reach out to people, tell people what I want to do. Um, you know, do some stuff for free, which now I don't really do anything for free. No, thank you. But, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I had to do that. Like last year I was doing so much for free because I had to get my name out there. I had to show people that I could actually do it because, mm. you know, people know that like, okay, she's a good basketball player, but they're not going to, this is a business. They're not going to just give you a job. Mm -hmm. So I had to like I put myself out there and, and systematic, like my year this year is because of last year. Like, it's not like, like, I just, oh, wow, all this stuff is happening now. No, mm -hmm. it's because of what I was doing last year that got me to this point for this year. Right, exactly. You put the work in, you put the time in, so it's the fruits of your labor. It's not like you just, you know, you just, like, playing and someone's like, hey, yo, you want to get on this mic? Like, no, you were doing stuff, like you said, you're doing stuff for free. And, uh, you know, P, uh, like, uh, PS, you know, I'll, I'll cut you check after this, but, uh, <laughs> nah, hey, hey. <laughs> say big sean says something like all the fruits of my labor are are organic homie like it's <laughs> real like it's like i i put the time and i put the effort in and you know people don't see that so a lot of times people think things come so easy because they like i'm not even one of the ones that i've been trying to post more it's been a conscious effort for like the past year and a half to post more but like i'm not one of those people that post every step of my life so now that people see that you know tomorrow i'm calling a game on espn too and then on the 10th, I'm going to be on Fox Sports covering, like, the NBA game, the Hawks and the Wizards. You know, yesterday, I was just doing the color commentary for the Skyhawks. People look at that, and they think, like, oh, yeah, okay, duh, of course she's doing that. Like, you know, she played basketball for a long time. <laughs> nah, <laughs> no, it just don't work like that. Like, I, like, all this stuff happened, and now I'm, like, first of all, I say thank you prayer every time something happens because I'm so <laughs> thankful because you can work as hard as you want to work and, and things just might not work out. So I'm so thankful that I found favor in God that he allows me to do the things that I want to do. So 
there's there's a lot into it, but people always see the end result and just think it's like just so simple. Nah, nah, exactly. People, I think, especially in the social media age where everyone's like posting literally every single workout they do, or like, oh, I'm in the gym. Like they just think like, oh, okay. Like they or they see the finished product, like, oh, congratulations, or like uh, an announcement. They see the end result, but they don't see like all the times like that you messed up or you know something didn't go your way or the like, the falling through deals. Like they don't see that. They just see the end result, and they're like, oh, okay, I want to do that. And then when it hits the fan, they're like, I don't know about this. Right? right. They didn't. <laughs> they like, I didn't really sign up for all this. <laughs> and, and speaking of what you just said, you know, it's funny because. Like, like I told you, I don't post everything, mm -hmm. but still, when I don't post something, people don't assume it happened. Like, you know, like, so I don't post my workouts. Right. So sometimes people <laughs> will be like, yo, when are you going to start working out again? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what would make you think I'm not working out? Like, I know what would make them think that, but you know, I'm just like, it's really crazy that if you don't post it, people really think it didn't happen. Exactly. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like, oh, no, there's no way you didn't do it because you didn't post it. Like, that's that's just crazy. Yeah. Oh, I was <laughs> baffled at that. I'm like, so wait, why did you think I'm not like it, it's it's baffling? But like I said, it's social media because I post that I'm calling a game or, or that I'm doing something with Fox Sports or NBA TV. They think that, you know, since I didn't post that I'm doing a workout earlier that morning before I went on Fox Sports, I guess. It, I mean, it just never I guess I didn't work out. Right, exactly. So, all listeners, you don't have to post your entire life. Like, get to work, and look, the results will speak for themselves. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I don't care. I don't care about the people that do post everything all the time. It's just crazy that, like, it's gotten to the point with social media. I mean, it is what it is. No one's going to change it, but it's just gotten to the point that, like, if you don't post it, a lot of times people really don't know, don't believe it happened. <laughs> facts, facts. All right, let's go talk a little bit about like, you know, you talked a little about high school and, uh, you know, start separating yourself and things like that. So when you jumped from high school to college, you played at UConn. UConn's legendary. Like everyone knows like, oh, like, OK, UConn, like they're going to at least win a championship one the next couple of years. What was that kind of like going from high school all the way to UConn? Like what were some of the challenges you had, like the first maybe year or so that you had, like kind of like having developed these new routines and stuff like that? It was crazy because I went from West Virginia where the West Virginia papers just don't don't cover us as much like as they could, you know. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't as big of a deal in West Virginia as then when I go to UConn and like after every game and before every game, there's 50 people in the media that wants to talk. And, you know, my my coach is a rock star. So it's he, I, we, have a whole, we have a whole celebrity as a coach. And, you know, it, it was an interesting dynamic because I literally went to pull up a polar opposite than what I was used to. And the crazy thing about it is I felt so at home there. Like it didn't it didn't feel to me like I was over like in over my head. It felt to me that I had made the right decision. Like, so that was one of the most comforting things to me, the mm. way that, you know, they welcomed me and treated me. They didn't treat me as like, all right, well, this is a girl, you know, from West Virginia. So we'll, we'll mm -hmm. see what she can do. Like coach Ariema, coach Tanya Cardoso, all of them, they, they still held me to a high standard and they still, you know, respected me to a certain extent. So for me, that was all I needed confidence wise 
to to go out there and and go back to my systematic thing you know you, you wasn't mm-hmm. gonna you weren't gonna outwork me so that that was kind of my thing like you you just weren't gonna outwork me I was always gonna be on time prepared know my stuff know my plays like that those are things that were gonna be given so that that's that was the transition for me I think the coaching staff I mean as well as my teammates as well they they really made me feel like I belonged right and. It's, it's like you said, they held you to a high demand. So it wasn't like you said, they weren't just bringing you in like, oh, like West Virginia, whatever. Like, you're just, you know, we'll just, we'll see what you can do. Like you said, it's like, no, like you're, you're part of this team. You're part of this family. All right. You're going to be held to this standard. And like you said, you took that as something that was like a positive. Like, okay, I accept that. And I'm going to do above and beyond. I'm going to make sure I know everything. I'm on time and you're going to be reliable. You're going to be counted on. And I think that's, that's really important because, I've seen even a couple times like where I talked to players, they felt differently about that. Like they felt like, OK, like because I'll be brought in from a certain area, like they had to kind of come in and, you know, basically kind of like change the coach's minds or whatever the case may be. But it's like, no, like coming in, like it's it's different. Like you you felt accepted. And I think that was like also helps you like because you felt you had that support system to kind of get in the, the gym and grind. Definitely. And it's like one of it's one of the first times where and now I preach it all the time, but it's the first time that I realized the way like we as, as humans see ourselves is not mm. the way other people see us. So <laughs> I, right. I always say when I'm talking to kids and stuff, like the way you need to see yourself, the way everyone sees themselves. Cause we all look at a picture and we pick apart everything we don't like about ourselves. Like right when we look at a photo, but you mm. know, other people look at the photo and be like, Oh girl, you look cute. You know? <laughs> I look cute. No, I look a mess. Like, you know, like everybody does it. Like we just all judge ourselves so harshly. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my first lesson on, on just how I see, how I see things. Cause for me, I was curious, you know, how will I measure up coming from you? I mean, coming from West Virginia, but that was the, like, that was not a concern of anybody else's, but mine. Like that was just my own fear that was, was in my mind. No one else was thinking about the fact that I was from West Virginia. Like, and mm-hmm. would I be a good enough player? All of them, saw me as the McDonald's All-American point guard coming in. Right. So so to me, it was like, that was an eye-opener. Like, no one cares about the little stuff. So that that started my trend of, like, just no one cares. Like, in a sense, like, stuff that you worry about, that you think mm-hmm. that's going to be the worst thing ever, no one cares. Right. And, and, that's, and it's important that you even talk about that. It's like, I think we get so, because I'm like this, too. It's like, I get really in my head. And so sometimes, like, when when I was younger, I would go places, like, you know, when I did play basketball, it's like, you know, oh, man, I'm worried about this or worried about this thing. And it's like, like you said, nobody really cares. Like, all they really care about is making sure, like, the end result gets accomplished, which is winning the game. So it's like, if you're not doing anything to win the game, like, they're like, yo, what are you doing? (laughs) Exactly. But everybody has their own insecurities and their own things that, like, you know, we think are, are is the biggest deal ever and honestly no one even cares so I learned that and then ever since I learned that I kind of it it, like I've been on this course of like I'm gonna control my own destiny like I just like I just feel like I can control the things I can I will control the things I can't control so look if if I want to do it I got to figure out a way to do it like I don't try to get a handout I don't worry about what's going to happen look I'm gonna just try to do it and see what happens Right, Faxi. And like that's the golden quote too, is that control what you can control. I tell I tell myself that, I tell people that, like athletes that I work with, like, hey, look, there's a lot like basketball is chaos, sports is chaos, life is chaos. So there's only so much that we can control. 
So we got to put our energy towards those things because if we start getting out of ourselves and start worrying about this, that, and the other that we can't really control to an extent, then at that same time, like we're we're not accomplishing whatever we're trying to accomplish because we're so focused on something else. So I love the fact that you said that because I wrote that on my board. It was like, yo, control what you can control. Don't worry about anything else. You better preach. And look, it could all be so simple. Like, it's just like, it sounds good. It really sounds good, but it's just like, I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's such a hard thing for people to do. Right. Like people think they can't control being on time. It blows my mind. Why not leave an hour and a half early and be early and chilling rather than leave right on time and be right. <laughs> scared to catch a red light. Like I can't live like that. <laughs> Got their foot to the pedal. <laughs> oh, and then they want to be mad at me because I'm not driving fast. I left early and now they want to beep at me and be mad at me because I'm not running the late yellows. And now they're upset because they need to run all the yellow. They need a full, <laughs> they need the green light special to get to work so that they're on time. And they want to be mad at me because I'm Sunday driving because I left early. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm out here in uh, in Cali too, so everybody's oh always late. It's like, it doesn't matter what time. It's like seven in the morning, and like people are late. It's like like ten o'clock at night on a, a Sunday. People are late. I'm like, yo, like, come on. There's no way all y'all are late, but it's kind of, it's just kind of lifestyle to live out Listen, here. Listen, I'm in Atlanta, so it's no. That's oh. why. I, that's why I leave early. I don't trust it. It could be, I could drive that same route Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and on a random Friday or a random Tuesday, it takes 45 minutes longer because there was a wreck and now it was raining and. Like, right. so you just never know. And I don't, I'm not, see, I'm not the risky type. Like, I like to be sure. So I don't mind being 40 minutes early sitting there chilling. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, that's a, it's a lifestyle that not a lot of people like to live for whatever reason. But, uh, no, nah, I got you on that. So one thing I kind of want to talk a little bit about, you kind of touched on it, was the culture of UConn. So I, I, there, I don't really know, you know, obviously because I didn't go to UConn, but, you know, I think it's almost like this atmosphere around UConn, like, it, it's UConn, right? Like, that's all you have to say. And then people know exactly what you're talking about, like women's basketball. Like, they're, they are the team. What was it kind of like going through, you know, all four years and having that? Did you ever feel like you had pressure to kind of, like, keep that name, you know, but not relevant, but just, like, kind of keep that, that dynasty together, like, that is UConn? Like, did you ever feel like you were just kind of, like, holding up a weight that you felt like it was just because of the name that you were going, the school you were going to? Oh, Xavier, let me tell you a story. <laughs> it's about a class of four players. We came in in 2005. 2005, we didn't win. Six, 2005, six, we didn't win. Six, seven, we didn't win. Seven, eight, we didn't win. So <laughs> it's, my, it's my senior year, and we could possibly go down as one of the worst teams to ever play. At UConn, it's unfortunate because UConn is star-studded. So, you know, we went to the Final Four. And this is the thing. We went to the Final Four a couple times. We went to the <laughs> right. Game, you know, but we're, we're, we're on the verge of being the worst team ever at UConn. So my senior year, if we didn't win a championship, we would literally be one of the worst ever. So if you want to talk about pressure and and all of that that goes into UConn, yeah, I felt it. I felt it my senior year. I was like, it was my, it was like all I could think about. I don't, who wants to go down as the worst, you know? Like, right. I mean, somebody got to be the worst. It just ain't for me, okay? There's yeah. a lot of people that don't mind being losers out there, and they can have that title. I can't, like, I can't deal, because that's the thing about college. 
you can't go back and change whatever your record was in the pros. You can keep trying like, man, we ain't mm-hmm. get it next year. There's no expiration date. Like in college, you get your four years of eligibility. And after that, like, that's just your, that you're stuck with that for life. Mm-hmm. So to me, I just did not want to be stuck with that, but it just, I mean, it's a testament to UConn that you can have a team that, you know, we've been to the final four multiple times. We went to the elite eight and that we're like, talking up to be one of the losers of the program <laughs> um and, and it goes to say like you said the excellence that they demand and it's not a coincidence it's it's what they demand of players so when you demand something to someone they either have to meet the call or you know they're going to fall off so UConn doesn't like coach Ariema, Chris Daly CD I love her she's one of my favorites ever mm-hmm. but they don't they don't allow excuses to be a thing so you can have a hundred excuses why in practice sometimes, you know, they'd have the five of us on the court against six or seven practice guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, he'd be like, all right, beat the press, score. You have X amount of seconds left. And, you know, we'd start to get mad because if we didn't do well, we'd get in trouble. And we'd be like, look, like, first of all, they're guys and, and there's six or seven of them. And, and he's like, <laughs> okay, and like, you know, like, so that kind of mentality where, you know, an excuse doesn't matter. It kind of it, it, it when you don't have an option in your mind, it makes it easier to do something because not doing it is not an option. Right. <laughs> right. It's almost like it's like, well, what if you don't? It's like, nah, like you, you're going to do it. Listen, and there's somebody like you asked said. me, what, somebody asked me, like, what happens when you when you're late? You know, at UConn, I was like, look, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to find out. <laughs> look, I don't know. You have to ask somebody else that wants to to try to to do that because no, I, I don't have a clue. Like, there's never <laughs> been somebody that was like late for for the bus or late for, like that. I like not during my four years, and I would be scared to see it. So, I mean, it's it's but that's the thing. It's like you you fear the unknown. <laughs> I was just it's funny I was just about to ask you like what was there ever a player that was late but like you said like people like players were just like I ain't trying to find out so we're gonna be 30 minutes early we just got the fit <laughs> there out. was there was a couple players that was playing a little tricky tricky and and I've been in trouble at UConn too so it's not to say that I've never been in trouble at UConn but there's just certain things like that you just don't do at UConn you need to have a certain level of respect you need to carry yourself a certain way like you know just be respect um, they, like the thing about UConn is they don't just teach you basketball skills they teach you life skills mm-hmm. how to talk to people how to be respectful and, and so those things carry over and that's why there's no secret to why one UConn players are successful at the college area even when mm-hmm. they don't have the best talent and the best teams and then two why so many UConn players go on to be good pros because in the pros that's when things really get tight and and if you're late too many times or you're not doing well you'll just get fired like in the pros they're not going to put up with players but there's there's been a trend that a lot of UConn players go on to have long careers but it's because of those discipline things that we learn and how to treat people and how to be professional we learned how to be professional in college right exactly it's like you like you said like even if they don't have on the on-court skills or whatever the size, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like they have those intangibles, like they have those things that they're going to carry on, especially in the pros. When you are an adult, like you're treated as an adult, like, Hey, look, like you said, they're going to fire you. They're like, Oh, you're late a couple of times. Now nah, we don't need that. Like there's a lot of people that would love your spot. Like they're just not going to put up with that because they're investing money into you at that point. And it's a business like their businesses don't waste money. So if you're a problem, exactly. they're, they're just going to cut and you. And some people, you know, they, they kind of learn that lesson too late. You know, mm-hmm. they're on the outside looking in 
And so then they, they now, now they wish or they change the course of it and they start to be disciplined and they start to understand being five minutes early is late. Like, you know, they start right. to understand that you can't do certain things as a pro that, but you know, now you're on the outside looking in. So I'm so thankful for the lessons I learned in college. Right. Absolutely. And you know, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about like, you talked about like, you know, basically like a team that went to the final four, you know, a handful of times, like was considered a failure, but your senior year, right. 39 and oh, like talk to me about that season. Like you won the championship, like take me kind of through like some of the things that maybe even some stories that kind of like led you guys to, to lead up to that, that undefeated season. Look at God. Um, so <laughs> first of all, I mean, that's, that's got to be almost every college player's dream. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I got to to not lose a game my senior year and basically ride off on my, my white horse, you know, into mm-hmm. the pros. So I'm so thankful for that because, like I said, I would be tormented by that because even now, you know, when I talk to people, the first thing when they find out I went to UConn, oh, how many championships did you win? So <laughs> the first they're question. already, you know, <laughs> that would have been my life forever that if I won zero they would be like wait zero so I'll I even have to say now well I mean I only won one you know because mm-hmm. I have to say it that way because people are expecting me to say three or four because my senior year is what actually started the streak so right. my senior year the 39 and 0 went into like the the 2000 wins and no losses streak and obviously I'm exaggerating but that's what it felt like but, <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> but some things that kind of propelled that I think is you know I have you always have to give credit and, it, and it's cliche, but in my sense, it's it's really legit. So I had teammates that really respected me and and didn't want me nor my other seniors to go down as the worst team. So mm. it was almost like a team effort in a sense to make sure my college career ended properly. And so mm. I, I really have to give my teammates credit because they took it personally. And, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. You know, they weren't seniors. You know, a lot of the main Janes on our team at that time, Atina Charles, who was a junior at the time, Maya Moore, who was a sophomore. You know, those were players that were were, were some of our main players. It wasn't their last year. Because everybody knows, you know, your senior year, it's like you put it all out there. Not to say that you don't the other years, but it's just your senior year. You know, it's, it's now or never. Those, my teammates, including all of my teammates, Lauren Dixon, everybody, you know, all my teammates put it on the line for me, like night in and night out in practice. So it's not a coincidence. Like you don't just go 39 and 0 by me making up my mind that I want to win a championship, you know? So it was mm-hmm. like everybody kind of dug in and was, and, and wanted to make sure I ended my UConn career the way I wanted to. Right. No, absolutely. And, and if for anybody that does ask you like how many championships, just say, I won one, but I went undefeated. Like, that's all you got to say. <laughs> yeah, like... well, you know, this is the thing. See, this is UConn culture. That's not even a big deal. There was a class of, like, that that they went undefeated, like, for three years of their career. Like, that is, it's unbelievable, like, the standard that has UConn has created. Mm-hmm. So, me saying I went undefeated is, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. That was that streak, right? <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, they're going to be like, yeah, that streak, right? So, it's not even, like, a shock factor. It's like, yeah, duh, y'all went on a streak of, like, <laughs> a thousand games. Right. But at least you can say, like, I think the biggest thing is just the fact that you were a part of a team like that and then just, just winning it, like, that, that much and, and winning at that level is still still dope. But like you said, like, it is, like, UConn is treated as basically the standard, you know, if, like, if you go to UConn, if you get a scholarship to UConn, it's almost like, 
all right, you're going to win a championship or two. All right. Yeah, it's, it's assumed. <laughs> it really is assumed. And, and that's a tribute to the coaching staff because, I mean, there's been years where by far UConn has not had the best players. And when I say the best players, I mean the, the All-American, the, the AP All-Americans, the, the, mm. fresh, the, the high school seniors coming in that were the McDonald's All-Americans, the Gatorade Players of the Year. UConn doesn't get every single good player, contrary to popular belief. People mm-hmm. just see the end result that they won, and they're like, of course, because they got all the great players. <laughs> and there were a lot of great players that went through UConn. But Coach Ariema, CD, and, and Jamel Elliott, Tanya, that whole staff, they have won, they've made lemonade out of lemons plenty of times. <laughs> right, right. It was, was, there ever, was there ever a point during, like, the 39-0 and 0 season where you felt like, like, yo, this is when did it become special? Like, holy crap, like we're about to do something really crazy. Well, I'll tell you when it became scary. So it became special once I won. I'm one of those paranoid people that like I don't like oh, okay. we were up by 13 and I like my teammates were always, you know, tickling each other on the bench. You know, like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh-uh, we still, got, we still got like two minutes left. Don't touch me. Uh-uh. <laughs> like so I'm one of those. So there was never that moment until after we won. Mm-hmm. But the moment that I started to get really, really scared was when, whenever we ended the regular season undefeated. And I was like, oh, Lord, please <laughs> don't. Please don't let us go undefeated in the regular season and and go to the, the, the tournament and lay an egg. So that right. like, so I would say when the season ended and we were undefeated, I was terrified. Got you. It's like it's like that. It's like it adds more pressure. It's like, oh yeah, undefeated, and it's like now it's almost like, oh okay. Uh, like hopefully, like you said, like this karma is not working against us, or like you know whatever, like superstition. Superstition. Like there's like that that Kentucky team, like the men's side, where they went undefeated and basically went to like the Elite Eight or Final Four, and then ended up losing. It's almost Listen, like you went all the games. That was <laughs> a real fear. When I tell you, I was terrified. I was like, I even started to think, cause you know, there's that little grace period in between, you know, mm-hmm. the end of the season and, and the tournament. And I really started to like, think back, like, why didn't we just lose a game to kind of get it out of our system? <laughs> like, why didn't we just like to take all the pressure off of it? Why didn't we just drop a game? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like I started to really get like crazy in my head about we're undefeated headed into the tournament and grant you. We'd never won before. You know, we always got knocked out in the final four. So I'm thinking like, boy, would this not be a nightmare that we mess around and lose our first game of the whole season in the tournament. So again, that fear, you know, I had it in high school before the, am I good enough? That fear made me just like, you know, it made me just turn up. Like I was turned to the <laughs> tournament. Like I was ready to go. I was ready for the tournament to start the day of the selection. You know, they do the selection Sunday, all of that. Mm. Listen, I was ready to go. I did not want to be at that time. It hadn't happened yet. But now thinking about like the Golden State Warriors, where they went like seventy three and nine or something. Yeah. Or you know, like it was like yes, you guys broke every NBA record known to man. It was amazing. And mm. then they went and lost in the championship. It's like oh no. <laughs> I feel oh, no. like that that's like a nightmare. It's just like it's always gonna be there. It's, it's always that, oh, they did this, they did this, but and then it's like it doesn't even matter. Terrified. <laughs> uh so so talked about the 39-0 season. So then you got drafted, you won the championship and then got drafted. 
what was that like? Like, because that was like that had to be like a winning summer for you. Like, you won the championship. You finally got that monkey off the back, and then you get drafted fourth overall. Like, what was that like? Like, kind of like having those two things happen for you back to back. Listen, I wish I remembered it all. I don't, but (laughs) the reason I don't remember it all is one, it was a whirlwind. Like, Mm -hmm. it it was literally a whirlwind in the sense that if you make it all the way to the championship game, you have three days until you get drafted. So that's that's just something in women's basketball that is just, it's just the way it is. There's no changing it, but it's, it's, it's difficult because I win the championship. I'm celebrating with my teammates. The next morning we fly back to UConn, we land and there's fans at the airport. There's fans along the highway as we're driving down from Hartford back to stores connecticut there's fans on the bridges waving as we go you know it's like Mm. it's pandemonium we have the pep rally to celebrate in the midst of all this i'm trying to sign my my basketball agent i need to get a a stylist because baby i need to look okay (laughs) all right so it's like there you know there's a lot my parents were trying to coordinate travel okay the draft is going to be in new york are y'all coming they just left the championship game and now thinking back, like now that I'm an adult and thinking back, I'm like, yo, my parents really were so supportive. I'm so glad they didn't get fired. You know, they were gone for long extended amounts of time following me around. So now that I look back at all of it, it's, it's such, like I said, it's, it's a blessing. I mean, I got to go out on a high note and then I went, you know, my coach, Ariema. So I had a, the rock star with me at my draft first. Ever, he was saying, you know, he was saying he couldn't make it. And I honestly believe he probably couldn't make it. And I'm sure he moved around some stuff because when he saw my reaction, when he told me he couldn't make it, you know, the guy, mm-hmm. type of guy he is, I'm sure he moves stuff around and then acted like it was no big deal. Like, cause that's what he does. <laughs> he like, he's one of those subtle people. He'll talk crazy to you, but if somebody talks crazy about you, like that's, that's their last mistake. Like, you know, he's one of those people that he just, he's the silent assassin when it comes to supporting, supporting us. So he he ended up showing up at the draft, and so yeah, I was I was feeling great. Like I was like, <laughs> life is good. I just I signed a contract with Nike, you know. I'm like, <laughs> look at me, Mama, I made it. You know, like this is the swoosh. This ain't, you know, this is like Nike, Nike, you know, not the fake Nikes I used to wear. This is Nike, <laughs> Nike. So it was it was pretty exciting. It was exciting. Yeah, it's like you said, like your parents were there. Like you said, you said, thank God they didn't get fired, but like they they're just there for support. And then you know you had Coach Gino coming through. Like the Godfather is like, no, you know what? I'll move some stuff around. Just showed up. Like yeah, yeah, that's cool. No big deal. Like it was no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was amazing. So that like it was. I mean, it was everything that you could have imagined it to be. And you know all these songs, and they say you know at the top it's lonely or whatever. They can have it. I would gladly stay at the top. It's not lonely up there with me. You know, I bring my family and friends with me. So all the people talking about at the top is lonely. Well, I'm sorry for them, but it was really nice. Like, I was, <laughs> fly- I was flying high, you know what I mean, for about a good week. And then it was like, okay, now I got to start all over. Now I'm basically that freshman again, that 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 underlining fear of, okay, am I going to be good enough? Well, let me just work hard and make sure I am. So it kind of started all over again once I became a freshman. Right. Absolutely. And and what were some things like, obviously, like you said, like you, you had that fear and, and like naturally you're just like, all right, the thing that solves all fear is just work. Right. That confidence comes from the work that you put in. So like your your rookie year, you know, you were all rookie. Like what were some like how did you get established so quickly 
and kind of get your footing like once you had those first couple games and, and maybe were some challenges that you had like your rookie year? Yeah, so for me, I mean, you hit it on the head. I'm I'm a confident person and player, but that confidence comes specifically from my work ethic. So I go into situations making sure that I'm fully prepared and it's not to say that I'm going to make my shots. It's not going to say that I'm going to make all the right decisions on offense and or defense. It's to say that, look, I know that I've prepared myself the best I can in this situation. Now, whatever happens in this situation happens, but mm-hmm. I know that I put the work in. So going my my rookie season, it was the same, you know, like no one cares that I went 39 and 0 at UConn. Again, right. no one cares. That's the thing. No one cares. So no one cared that all those things you mentioned, you know, I won three championships in high school, a championship at UConn, Gatorade play. No one cares about that. Once I get to the pros, everyone's done that. So once right. I got to the pros, it was like, okay, and we've done that too, times two. You know, like, <laughs> right. you know, there's players that were multiple year McDonald's, all, I mean, multiple year Gatorade players of the year, multiple championships, multiple AP All-Americans. So you get to the WBA and every player on every roster was an All-American. So you're not that special. Right. Absolutely. It's like now it's like you it's like it's just like another level up, like times 10. Like, OK, cool. You want a championship? Well, we've won two, three. Like, like you said, like we won multiple awards, like on top of what you already won. So They're it's the like people that knocked me out in the final four. So, <laughs> now so all the people that tortured me the first three years and and they're the ones that I'm playing against now. And it, it's the LSUs, the people that played at Duke, Georgia, you know, it's like now these are people I'm playing on a nightly basis. So it was, it was a humbling experience. I never went in cocky anyway. It's just not in my demeanor, but it was mm-hmm. humbling to be like, man, people that aren't even getting in the game are players that were all Americans. Right. And that's, that's, what's crazy to me is like at any level, like especially like the WNBA and NBA levels, like, you have players that have won championships who are, who have been like you know won all these awards and they're not even getting in the game or they're getting in the game for like five to ten minutes and it's like that's just the level of excellence that each of these league, leagues have like they're literally like the best in the world and to me like that's always I've always been curious like man like when players get drafted like what is it like coming into that and you got to play against these people in practice yeah and so it's literally like you said it's the it's the best of the best in the WNBA it's the hardest league to make. There's 12 teams, 12 spots. So I'm one of 144 players that play professionally in America. And so that that's saying a lot considering, I mean, each conference has five all first-team All-Americans, five second-team All-Americans. So, I mean, if you just do the numbers, it's astounding how many players that were All-Americans can't even make a roster because there's only 12 and 12. Right. Flex a little bit, though. Like one out of 144. I, one I appreciate it. One out of 144. I mean, it's <laughs> It's a flex for all of us in a sense that, mm-hmm. like, the WNBA, you know, when I I was 10 when it came into existence. So it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't something that's been there my whole life. You know, I was 10. So when I was nine and eight and all of that, there wasn't I was still playing just to play D1 college. And then at 10, I'm like, what? There's a whole pro league. Like, so I could do this professionally. So I take pride in stuff like that because. It's goals, like I said, it's goals that I put in my mind that I've never seen anyone achieve from my area, but it's something that I just wanted, I wanted to be the first. Right. And, and like you said, you, 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 we talked about it like multiple times, like how hard you've worked. So you've earned all of this without a doubt, for sure, for sure. And even like, that's a great transition. I appreciate you 
Now you've won I two WNBA. <laughs> you, th- you threw the lob. I just caught it, finished it real quick. So uh, you won two WNBA championships, both with the Minnesota Lynx in, in 2015 and 17. It's hard to win one championship, like at the champ, you know, especially the WNBA level. But you've won two. Like, what? How hard is it? You know, what went into winning the first one, then having to come back and then win another one? Like, how how challenging was that? And what were some things you had to face along the way? All right. So one of the things I had to face is on my first championship for half of the season, I was with a whole nother team. So I started the season out playing for the Seattle Storm. Um, halfway through the season, I get sick. Come to find out I had salmonella poisoning. I'm in bed, not even practicing with Seattle. I get a knock on my door like, hey, can you come to the gym? And I'm like, wait, what? And I was like, they already told me, like, I'm not even coming in for the next couple days. Like, it was already established, like, today's out, tomorrow's out. Like, I have salmonella poisoning. Right. They were like, yeah, yeah, but can you just come in, you know? uh, The coach needs to talk to you. Well, long story short, we know how that story ended. They, the coach needed to tell me I was getting traded, and obviously she wanted to tell me to my face, which is mm-hmm. respectable. Um, so I'm, you know, crawling in there basically, looking like death, <laughs> bro, looking like death warmed up, and <laughs> and she tells me, you know, like, hey, you know, sorry, you know, we've traded you. Minnesota really came at you aggressively, you know, and we had to take the offer basically. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. That's cool. I guess I'll just go after All-Star break because All-Star break was literally like four days, four days away. Mm-hmm. So I, she was like, OK, yeah, that's, you know, that's none of her concern. Like, I'm out of here. You know, for her, it's like, OK, I'm not. So so <laughs> when I get home. Oh, and this is another crazy part. It just so happened that I like I had my parents up there and my two oh, aunties wow. were up there visiting me when I get traded. So. <laughs> They're riding the little boats. They're out there doing their little tourist thing. They're texting me, oh, Seattle's so beautiful. So, you know, so I just, like, didn't even tell them when they first called me. So I just, like, <laughs> let me let them finish their tours because I know if I told them, they would be like, oh, you know, and they would be right. going crazy. They would stop everything they were doing. So I didn't even tell them. They got back home, I would say, like, 7 p.m., Grant you, I had gotten told I was getting traded at one. So for me, that was like the longest six hours ever. And, you know, right. they're texting me and they're sending photos. It's so wonderful here. And I'm, like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So when they get home to back to my apartment, I'm like, yo, so I have something to tell you guys. I've been traded. And they're like, what? You know, and they're going crazy. <laughs> By this time, my head coach from Minnesota had already called me, Coach Reef. And she was like, yeah, so, you know, like, we love what you can do. And, Lindsay Wayland's hurt. Our backup point guard is hurt. So, like, we we need you right now. And I'm like, what do you need? What do you mean right now, coach? You know, she's like, we we need you like right now, as in we have a flight booked for you tomorrow morning. And so I'm like, oh, Jesus. So I'm like, oh, coach, I guess I should tell you, I'm kind of sick. At that time, I didn't know it was Salmonella. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, coach, I'm really sick. Like, we're not sure what's happening with me. I should get my test results tomorrow. She's like, all right, we'll have them basically like we'll get your test we'll figure it out like we got doctors here too you know so basically like the tone of it was like yeah okay cool get on that flight tomorrow and we'll figure out you know, what's going on so i'll see you tomorrow yeah i'll see you tomorrow they had a, so so minnesota had a game like so if if today is today minnesota had a, a game the day after tomorrow so All i'm right. like oh so you guys want me to play in that game and she's like yeah what do you think we traded you for like we i told you the point guards are hurt so I'm like, 
like in my mind, I'm going crazy. I'm like, there's no way I can play. So if people don't know about salmonella, it's like at any moment I'll have to go to the bathroom. Like, and, and I have to sit like, so I was close to the toilet at all times because like, right when you have to go, you have to go. It's not like you can hold it. So when I took the flight, they let me take off. I was in the, the bathroom. Like I couldn't even leave the bathroom when we were taking off. Like I was just stuck, you know? So, so I'm like, I'm like, how in the world are they going to think that I'm going to play the day <laughs> after tomorrow? So, you know, I started doing, I started saying little prayers like, Lord, I need you now. Like more than ever, how can I even fathom? <laughs> like I, I was exhausted, you know, getting to my terminal. You know, like, it was like I had no food. I was on a liquid diet because they told me, you know, I need to just drink Pedialyte water. I need to, I mean, Pedialyte water. I, I don't need to t- eat any solids because, you know, it, my stomach's torn up. I have some mm-hmm. up. So I can't even get to my gate. And you think I'm going to run up and down with these <laughs> gazelles and these athletic women and think that I'm going to be out there doing something other than looking crazy? <laughs> No, 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 no. So, so long story short, she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to play in that game. <laughs> and I don't, and let me tell you what's crazy. I had to get an IV before the game, you know, to juice me up. And when I say an IV, there's no drugs. I don't want any scandals started. But it was like just an IV, like, because I was dehydrated. Um, So I got an IV before the game and I went out there. I don't even remember the game, which is crazy, but I was out there. So long story short, I was out there. And we ended up winning a championship that year. But for me, the process of getting back in shape, because uh, if you're not an athlete, you don't know, but you can get out of shape in like three days. You can be in the best shape of your life. And literally in three days, you can be completely out of shape as if you've never ran before. So from where I was so sick for like a week straight, a week, week and a half straight, I literally had to start from like ground zero and get back in shape. So for me, my first championship, and that was a long story. So if y'all are still listening, thanks. But <laughs> entertaining for though. Me, <laughs> for me, the 2015 championship was a lot because I ended up getting back in shape and making like some big key plays and having a key part in winning that championship. And I was doing so, I was going to practices in the morning and I was at my, at my condo at night running on the treadmill like trying Mm. to do extra stuff to get in shape so for me 2015 was it was it was a lot like when we won the championship for me it wasn't just winning the championship was like man like this was a year and a half so so that would be my my to get a long story long that was my story of getting my first championship and my second one I mean it was we had just gotten beat the year before on a buzzer Mm. beater by a a put back by Neko Dimike so 2017 year was like yeah we got to get that back like run it back and we we ended up winning and so that felt good too because I had more of a role than I did in 2015 so both championships were they were completely different but they were both Mm -hmm. satisfying in different ways right absolutely and and that that's a crazy story just to touch on that a little bit like (laughs) the, the fact that you played that game I'm just sitting here like there's no way she played that game the fact that you even went out there like you had to like had been in a wheelchair like in between, between timeouts, so there's no way. Like, I'm just trying to fathom. Like, yeah, how the heck did she just? I really don't know, and that's why, like, I have to tell people, like, you can Google about it because it's because the story sounds so wild, and they're like, if you're listening, you're like, there's no way. Oh, there's articles <laughs> about it. You can Google about it. There's plenty of articles about it. I mean, you could hear quotes from my coach, one of my coach, um, Shelly P. She's the assistant coach from Minnesota. 
she like so when I first got there she was the coach that met with me to show me some film and you know mm. try to get me to learn some plays she didn't even want to come close to me she was like yo you look crazy <laughs> right now so I'm gonna just be on this side of the table you know like like she didn't want to really get too close to me because like, that's how that's how sick and bad I was looking the day before the game damn he said yo you look like death but you're gonna play though you gonna yeah, that's though. the thing. It's like, you look bad, but I mean, like, we gonna use you, but you look bad. <laughs> but that, you know, that's sport. The show business, the show must go on. <laughs> no, but honestly, like, that's so funny. Like, that makes me even respect you even more. Because it's like, yo, okay, she showed up to work. Like, there's no excuse. Like, literally, like, that's UConn right there. There's no excuse. Yo, you got something else? Like, nope, you gonna hoop. You gonna play. Listen, I was trying to make an excuse in my mind. I, I had to tell them a couple times, like, I don't know if you guys know how sick I am. <laughs> I like, kept on like, you know, I kept on trying to subtly be like, hey, just just the reminder, like, I'm really actually still pretty sick, you know, like, and even after that game, you know, I was very fortunate that my parents, pa- oh, my parents and my aunties packed up my, my apartment in Seattle, mm-hmm. packed up everything in my car, and then I got my car shipped to me. So there were so many things that lined up. That, like, there's no way I would have been able to pack up my my apartment in Seattle in the condition I was in. But they were there, so I just literally got on the flight. I didn't even – I packed, like, a a backpack when I went to Minnesota. I didn't even have anything. Like, I was just, like, if I can get on the flight, wow, I'm doing something. I'm doing good for myself. So (laughs) I caught myself doing good by getting on the flight. But my parents and my aunties, they handled everything. And so, like, it was just – it was a wild – that was a wild year, okay? <laughs> I damn I respect that though. The fact that like it, you know, that happened, but it ended up in the long run, like winning a championship out of that. And then like you said, the next season, you know, you ended up losing, but then getting it back in 2017, like it's still, you know, you made something out of it. So like I said, just just winning one championship, like not everybody can say they did that and you won two. So that automatically like it's like, oh, okay, like nah. Like Renee, nah, she did that. By the way, she played with Salmonella, so that's pretty crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so there's that. I guess that could, be my, that could be my real claim to fame right there, I guess. I don't know how many players have done that. So, it just Yeah, that'll be like your uh, – that's how you start off your bio. Like, she once played a game with salmonella poisoning. Everybody's like, you know what? That's it. She's the GOAT. <laughs> we want her. We that's want the her. girl we need. <laughs> I don't need to know nothing else. So <laughs> you talked this about this a little bit before, like, we even started recording. But, you know, we talked about you, you know, going into, you know, being an analyst – so you know, obviously people that are listening, like if you don't, can't, can't tell, like she's very easy to talk to, but how did you, you know, kind of like even decide you wanted to even go into being an analyst and start calling games, stuff like that. Like, and how'd you transition into that? So I went to college for my degrees in communication. So it's, it's been my thing for a while. It's just, I wasn't going to waste this talent that I've been given. So I've always wanted to be a full scale entertainer in a sense, like Michael Strahan, where where I'm hosting, you know, he's hosting Good Morning America, and then he's on NFL Network doing, you know, NFL season when it's in season. So <clears throat> I think that's the blueprint for me. Like, I want to do not only sports shows, but I want to end up doing, you know, like a daily show or something of that nature, hosting a show like The Voice. So I want to do something full scale and entertainment, and hence why I took communications at UConn. Um, oh, I have a pretty cool Throwback Thursday video Um that my boy Paul uh, from PG Sports sent me, but it's me, it's me. Um, I think it's like my second year in the pros and I'm saying, yo, one day I'm going to be an actor. So if anybody's listening, y'all need to book me now, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm doing, <laughs> but 
but I've kind of always known and I'm, I told you about systematically, right? So mm-hmm. after going overseas 10 years, I stopped playing overseas and I, and then after winning my champ, second championship, I left Minnesota and signed with Atlanta. So those two things, the reason those are two things are so important is because if, if people don't know, <clears throat> Atlanta is booming in a sense of TV and, and all of that TV, media, everything. Atlanta's booming. Mm-hmm. So after playing 10 years overseas and, you know, setting myself up financially so that I can not have a job in the off season if everything goes wrong, at least I can still pay my bills. So that was a goal for me. So the first year that I didn't go overseas, which was last year, like I wasn't making money like that. Like, as I told you, I was doing stuff for free and I was just trying to get my name out there. And mm-hmm. so there wasn't checks attached to these, these things I was doing. So I was like, dang, this, well, this is sucks, you know, but I just stayed the course, you know, and I was taking acting classes. I took acting classes and improv classes for a year because I wanted people to know that I was serious about this. It wasn't like, I'm just like, oh, okay, let me go try this. Like I was serious. So then this year things started to come in fruition. And now like tomorrow I'm doing an ESPN two game, um, Cincinnati versus USF women. And I haven't actually done women this year at all. I've been doing men. I did the G league showcase, um, in Vegas, Oh, okay. Dope. Yeah. And I'm the color commentator for the Skyhawks, the Atlanta Hawks G League team. So all this stuff. And, and, you know, I was the keynote speaker at the College Park Convention, all this stuff, you know, and people see the end result, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, well, last year was not popping like this, you know, like last year, I, you know, I I did a semester at the Harvard School of Business, you know, crossover in a business program. So Last year was like my prep year. And this year I'm like, all right, I'm coming for it. Like I'm trying, I'm going. And when I say this year, <laughs> yeah, well this year, when I say this year, I actually was referring to 2019. Oh, okay, 2020 yeah. is like already litty so far. Like on January, <laughs> on January 10th, like I'm doing an in-studio pregame, halftime and postgame for an NBA game. So for the Hawks versus the Wizards, I'm doing it with Fox Sports South. And, and now more things are popping up. And people are like, oh, wow, yeah, we, of course we knew you were going to do that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, you know, like, how is that? Like, <laughs> of course, yeah. But so 2020, first of all, my basketball number has been 20 for a lot of my life. And 2020 mm. is a dope number and dope year. So I'm just, we all should claim it. So I'm going to just go ahead and claim it. Like 2020 is lit. Facts, facts. And, and it's funny that you just said that, like, yo, like, like it's not even like you're you're flexing it's just like yo this is reality like you worked hard like you did a lot of stuff for free even we talked about earlier and it's just momentum like i like the fact that you call it momentum board because that's what it is like you set yourself up for success and it was delayed gratification like it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna mean like the next day you're gonna get like you know an offer but it just meant over time like you build up some momentum you build up some some energy for yourself that way when the opportunity arises like you've got all this behind your name like hey look Somebody needs someone to call this game. Oh, look at all the stuff I did. Boom. Like you have that opportunity, but it's not going to come the next day. It's going to come like down the line, like maybe a couple months or a year or two years. Like you set yourself up. So that way now it's just like you said, it's just momentum. It's just easy. Like you put the work in. So now the opportunity is popping up. But like you said, the end result is it's not going to come. It's not going to be instant. Like good food cooks slow. So you got to put that work in. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now. If so, yeah, it's not a flex at all. It's a relief. So mm-hmm. I'm excited.
because if everything stayed the same as when I was doing everything for free, Xavier, I would probably have to rent out a room where you live because I don't, I'd be home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thankful that things are popping off because obviously it takes money to live. And I was, you know, I bet on myself pretty much. And I, I took that leap of faith and didn't go overseas. And, and I don't know how much people know about women basketball listening, but you know, that's where the money is for, for women's basketball overseas, mm-hmm. where you make a lot more money than you make in the WNBA. So for me to pass up guaranteed money overseas to to try to pursue a dream while I'm still able to play, it's kind of like, you know, people's looking at me like, yo, you all right? Like, you good? <laughs> like, what's, what's good with you? What, why are you not? Why are you not going overseas? Why are you not getting this money? Like, so it it was it was, a, you know, it was that period where people were like, are you sure? But in my mind, I'm like, yo, I'm doing this. Right, exactly. Like you gotta, like you said, you gotta bet on yourself. Like you knew you wanted to do it, and the time, the time to, to you know, chase after your dreams and, and make stuff happen is now. Like it's not gonna be tomorrow. It's not gonna be like, oh, when I retire. And it's like, no, let me start setting this up now. And yeah. exactly now, like all this stuff's coming to fruition, and now everybody wants to hop on the train. And thank goodness, because I didn't want to be homeless, but I was gonna happen. <laughs> yes. It's like, hey, this is what it's gotta be. You gonna make it happen. <laughs> so I have to praise Jesus from the car. I'm living in the car. <laughs> dope, dope. So even talking about that, like you being in going into business, stuff like that, you know, you even have your own, you know, foundation, the, the Renee Montgomery Foundation. Like how'd that kind of come out? Like what and you know, what are you what's the message behind, you know, having this foundation and, and some of the the ideas that you have for it? So I've I've kind of wanted to do it all like ever since I can remember I've wanted to have my own foundation I thought it's a cool thing to be able to literally have a foundation where you throw events that you want to throw to help people so Mm -hmm. the thing about it was I was never like I was playing year-round so in between seasons like so I played WNBA and then I'd have a week and a half from my last game to get overseas and then the same happened overseas. Once my overseas season was finished, I'd have a week and a half to get back and report for WNBA. And sometimes you didn't even have a week and a half because WNBA, they want you there if you're available. So right. I just didn't have the time to to do things that I wanted to do. And it's hard to do things remotely. So it's hard to you know start a nonprofit while I'm living in Russia. So right. th- when I finally took time off from overseas, I, that was one of the first things I did. I applied for, for my foundation and I got really creative. The name is Ray Montgomery Foundation, but it's, it's just, it's, it's something where it, it, for me feeling so blessed as I am, I want to make sure that I give back and, and and spread that love because it's, it's like, I call it, it's favor. Like I could work as hard as I want to work. Me not being injured pretty much my whole career. That's, that's a blessing. Like there's nothing I did. So I just wanted to kind of give back and, and show and, and, and show my appreciation for this life I'm living in and for people that, and show that, you know, people care. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's, that should always be the, not always be the goal for everyone, but like you creating this, this opportunity for those that may not, may not even think that it's possible. Like you're showing them like, look, like I can be a professional athlete, but I can still, you know, maybe help you, uh, whether it's like, you know, just being around you, letting you know, like, hey, like, we're, we're human beings. So I think when I was younger, I used to think professional athletes, like, they were like gods, like, oh, like, they're not going to talk to me. But you just being there, like, talking to them, like, being around them, it's like, okay, like, one, it makes you human, but then it's also like, you're being there, you're being, you know, accessible to them. And then if they have questions, like, you can make these, these dreams that they have, you can let them know it's, it's tangible. Obviously, you got to put some work into it, but 
I just think like from just a human side and just like the inspirational side, I think that's always amazing when I hear athletes like doing these foundations because they want to help others that maybe want to be in a position that they're in. Absolutely. And it's like, it's funny because you know how you said like they're guys, people all the time, like when they actually meet me in person and talk to me, they're like, mm. yo, you're so down to earth. It's crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> why is it like, why is it crazy? People like expect, I think because of what I've done in my career and where I mm-hmm. am with my post people, I think maybe expect me to be almost stuck up. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. almost like the, the automatic assumption that I'm probably going to be a little uppity. I'm probably going to be feeling myself. So when people meet me, it's almost like this shock, like, right. Whoa, I thought, you know, I've seen your interviews and stuff, but I didn't think you'd be like that with me. Like, you know, they think almost <laughs> that, like I'm putting on for the cameras. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they think I'm putting on for the cameras. They think that I'm, that I'm putting on for the interview. They don't necessarily think that this is me. And, and to their defense, <laughs> there's a lot of athletes that do who put on. Yeah, I got a reason to believe defense, that. Yeah, to their defense, there's a lot of athletes and a lot of famous people and celebrities that, yeah, if you see them one-on-one, they might be a completely different human than, than who they are when, you, when, when they're in front of the camera. So I do get that aspect of it, but I try to just keep continuity. I'm me, and that's that's all I know how to be. Right, and that's why I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a surprise that you have everything because I feel like authenticity is like that'll forever be like the best thing that you could ever be. I think that's the best thing that anyone can ever do is just to be themselves because that you're gonna live the life that you were meant to live. You know, if you try to fake it, like one, I think you're just gonna be internally unhappy, unhappy. And I just feel like a lot of times, like you said, like people front for the camera or whatever to get these opportunities, but it's just not real. I just think in the long run, like it's just not possible, like if you're not going to be authentic. So I think that's why like you, you have all these things that you have and the things you've done is because you've always been yourself. So it's like naturally things are attracted to you that were meant for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. For sure, for sure. So wrapping it up a little bit, but um, I kind of wanted to get into a speed round before we get into the 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 final thoughts about it so it's gonna be like a couple questions not really even a speed around but just like some questions like kind of off topic but just answer right, them the best you let's, can let's do it all right that's like, that's so. like the saw do you want to play a game right exactly it's like it's like ominous it's like oh i don't know if i want to <laughs> <laughs> let's do it cool cool so this was actually basketball related so who was the best player you've ever had to play against or guard and what made them so so good Oh, man. Um, I would have to say Diana Taurasi. Okay. I've, I've had the unfortunate displeasure of having to guard her multiple times. And um, <laughs> and when I say guard, I mean, like, she was my assignment. Like, you know, it wasn't like I accidentally switched on to her. Like, a couple of times I actually, like, that's my man, and y'all want me to what do what with her. But so, <laughs> so I would say Diana Taurasi, and the reason I say that is because with a player like her, it's tricky. You don't want to make her mad because then she really might go for 50. But you want to be aggressive enough that she's not going to, you know, feel like she can do anything. So, and with a player like her, you just never know when they're going to go off because players that are that great, they can just decide in their mind, all right, it's five minutes left in the third quarter. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to take over this game. You know, and you can <laughs> literally see when, like, some of the superstars, I mean, we've seen it with, like, a LeBron. You've seen it with a Kobe. You see, you can literally see a Steph Curry where a superstar has made up their mind that they want to take over the game. First of all, right. they start shooting more. They're more aggressive. You can just, it's just written all over them. So, 
the reason that she's the most difficult is because she has that ability. Not everyone has that ability to just turn it on when they feel like it, but she has that ability. So guarding a player like that is very difficult because you just don't know. And you could play amazing defense and have your hand in their face and even scratch their nose a little bit on accident, and, and she's still gonna get a bucket. So it's like, <laughs> it's like all right, all right, whatever, man. All right, cool, whatever. <laughs> right. It's just like you said. Like it's just you never know. Like that's why she's one of the goats. Her and Sue Bird. Like Sue Bird. Like I was talking to uh, Jazz about this, and she was like, she had to guard Sue Bird, and she's just so smart. She's so crafty that it's like yeah. even if she's not more athletic or whatever, like she still gets where she wants to go. And oh, the thing yeah. is with those vets, when they get to their spots, is it's a bucket, Automatic. right? <laughs> Good, dope. So, uh, besides yourself, obviously, who is your favorite player to watch in the WNBA? Besides myself. Besides um, yourself. <laughs> I would say my favorite player to watch in the WNBA was Maya Moore. Just mm, because, I mean, she, because she can do anything. It was like, at times it was like, was that an accident? No, that was on purpose. That was amazing. <laughs> Did I just see what I just saw? Right. Wow, and like I was her teammate in college and in the pros, and sometimes she would start shooting a shot. And you'd be like, "What?" And then it would like net, and you'd be like, "That's my dog." Okay, <laughs> like you know. But so just watching her, I mean, I've had to play against her as well. But it's just, you know, when you got a target on your back, it's so hard to produce because if the whole team, you know, if, if you're the focal point of a defense. But I mean, for ten years straight, she just was amazing. Right, absolutely. It's like you said, it's like it's like no, no, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a bucket. Cool. Yeah, like I knew that. Shoot, and I'll be like, hey, and let that next one fly too. You know, after you <laughs> Yeah, and let that next one go. Tell them I'll find you next time down the court. Like it's like you knew it was gonna happen, but it's yeah, she's one of those players that I mean, she's just been so good for so long. It's it's amazing to watch. Right, dope, dope. So what was the in your opinion, WNBA or college, what was the worst game that you think you played and why? Hmm. I mean, college, there was a lot of them, I would say. And when I say the worst game, it's like whenever I would say in college, more so it hit me if I had a bad game in the final four. Hmm. Like if I had a bad game when it's tournament time, it's just it's the worst because the off season for so in the pros, you don't really have an off season, but in the off season for college is so long. And then, you know, you have um camp and you know you have it's just like that's all you can think about for so long you sit on that loss for so long and it's hard to deal with so I would say my first three years of college like if I didn't play great and we lost that was my work that that's the worst to me right absolutely all right so now we're gonna go the other side what's the best game you've ever played in your opinion whether it was WNBA or college and why just go with the New York game last year because mm. because I broke a league record so any game and uh, we won the threes and so, a half yeah seven threes <laughs> and a half but it's with the win so it, it's the win part too. where we were down you know I don't even know I think we were down 15 or something at half and so the threes came at a timely time so to me that's the most important thing I don't really care like if I had made seven threes broke the record and we lost that would be so whack but to be, able to, <laughs> to be able to come back and win that, that, that to me made that, made that the best game for me. Right. And it's funny. And it, like, was a, and it was a big game because we were trying to clinch the number two spot going in the playoffs. So we needed that game and we needed the game after that. So there was two games, like two games left in the season. So to me that, that I like when it's timely, when it matters. Mm. 
what was going through your mind? Like, what made you what made you go out there and be like, oh, I'm getting seven of these? Like, what what went through your mind that made you push out uh, seven threes in that half? Listen, well, three of them were at the the end of a shot clock, so those are the best shots to shoot. You gotta <laughs> you gotta shoot them. You can shoot them without a conscience. You can let that thing fly. You gotta <laughs> so three of them were at the end of a shot clock. Um, but I knew I was I knew I was rolling. Um, I couldn't make a shot in the first half, so there's that. You know, the law of averages, but. Coach also had said that we're going to get, I think, two days off or something like that if we won. So that was lit because we had been on a brutal road trip. There was a lot going into it. I could see that my teammates were dead tired. We were missing layup after layup, and they were, like, running fast break drills on us. It was just – it was it was wild. So there was a lot going on in my mind. And so I'm like, yo, I got it. And I don't even – I'm not usually that aggressive shooting the ball. Like, I don't usually shoot that many times, like, especially not seven threes in one half. So – but it was just kind of like I felt like my team needed me. Right. I was going to say, like, you – I mean, like, a couple of them, like, were shot clock. So, like you said, you can just let them fly. But then, same time, like, if you if you rolling, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm pulling this thing, man. They're like, all right, go for it. Oh, yeah. A couple of them was <laughs> I'm rolling threes where it's, if you don't make it, it's considered a heat check. So, a couple of them I was still checking my temperature. And I'm like, oh, okay, still hot. But it – it it wasn't really it's not really a thought process for me to usually do that right like you said like you got the hey you got that uh, that flame emoji on 2k you're like hey i can't <laughs> waste it bro <laughs> got you all right last question so this is a random one pineapples on pizza or no or no pineapples uh, let's not do that oh okay you no 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 okay you, you got a secret no, I just don't eat sweet and savory together. Oh, I got in, you. In, in any aspect of food, so I don't eat like chicken and waffles. Like you know, like I don't, I don't do sweet and savory. Mm. So if I eat waffles or pancakes, like it's by themselves with the, like I'll eat my whole plate first, and then like almost eat like the waffles as like dessert. Like I don't do sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do sweet and savory together. You say. <laughs> But, yeah, it's like a dessert. Yeah, that's that pancake is my dessert. I actually don't even do waffles; they're too thick. But that pancake is my dessert. Yeah, that's that's the that's the finale. Okay, okay, I got it. I respect that. I respect that. What is going on in this football game? A guy just laid the ball down and and he didn't kneel first, and it's crazy. I don't know if you're going to see this, but people will know what I'm talking about in this yeah, <laughs> in this game. Goodness, but yeah, so. Sorry to interrupt, but it's wild. This wild card game. It's all good. It's all good. Well, it's good because we're wrapping up so I can let you get back to your football game. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you. So, well, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, Renee, if they want to, you know, learn more about the the foundation that you have, like where would they go and, or how would they get in touch with you or your uh, Yeah, your so just find me on, on all social platforms, DA20 and the word one, O-N-E. Um, the 21 is what it, it says, but yeah, just check me out. Follow me. You know, I, I think I'm a fun follow. I pull some fun stuff. And I <laughs> I post I'm what fun. I'm doing. So follow my journey. I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know. Follow me. If you, if you ain't bored or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I got you. I was gonna say, I follow you on IG. I didn't know that's what it said. I, I thought it said, I was like, DA was like 21. I was like, what the? I don't get it. Yeah, the 21. So DA, the numbers two zero, then the word one. Yeah. So it's the 21. Um, you know, I like my nickname was the one as for the point. So then my number at the time was 20. 
So I made it the 21, the one and 20 in the middle, but then my number became 21. So the 21 lit you know, life. <laughs> life, you see how life works out. <laughs> yeah. I told you, you manifested. All I'm right. Man. Renee, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm gonna let you get back to your football game, but uh, I appreciate you coming on, telling us your story, giving the perspective and uh, just being a, a dope, dope, dope guest. I really appreciate no, I you. I appreciate that, Xavier. All right. Don't call me no more. Bye. <laughs> I believe it. No, I appreciate you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Basketball and Barbells podcast. I really hope you all got major value from today's episode. Please leave a rating and review of the show. And don't forget to tune in to the next episode.